The KGEZ Good Morning Show, Robin Mitchell and John Hendricks, and our guest, our State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Elsie Arnson. Good morning, Elsie. Good morning. Is everybody ready for a test? Do we have pencils <laughs> in the air ready to be assessed on what's going on in education in Montana? Would that be a number two pencil? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I use my uh, Sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Permanent marker, yeah, huh? That's right. okay. He's very confident. Yes. That's, uh, Excellent. Yeah, and of course, uh, some of us do the uh, New York Times uh, crossword puzzle in ink. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, uh, y- you made a mention of uh, the assessment tests. What What's going on with them? Oh, we're so excited. Um, we do have uh, the uh, alternative test, which means that a teacher teaches and then a student assesses in about a six-week period over specific concepts. And then uh, the student and the teacher get together and they figure out uh, where they need to go next. So if there needs to be acceleration, if there needs to be some, uh, let's go back to the basics type of a talk. We are doing that in math and reading four times a year rather than that, like I said, pencils in the air, one-time test at the end of the year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're the only state in the nation doing this and very, very pleased that Montana is leading the way in teaching and learning. I don't imagine the students are still very excited about, oh, boy, we get to take a test. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's not necessarily viewed as a test, but you're exactly right. If a student with this model recognizes they can do better and it's overgrowth, rather than something done in the last month of school, when they know they're so excited and the weather has changed in Montana and they want to either graduate or they want to get on to that next step um, in summer. So this is used as a teaching tool as well as it's used for a student's reflection. And more importantly, the parents are understanding that growth period. So you know the old statement when you get home from school and you throw the backpack on the couch and the parent would say, so what did you learn in school today? And pretty much you get crickets from the kids, right? (laughs) Well, right now this is giving an opportunity for students to really talk about what's going on in the classroom, what teaching and learning is happening. So it's a different paradigm, and I am so pleased that our Montana teachers are recognizing this. Next year, every student, third through eighth grade, will be having these little Tesla models. They're about 15 minutes every six weeks, rather than a 10-hour test at the end of the year. You know, I finally got some of those tests, those long tests. I just, when I got to a point where I just was going cross-eyed, I just started making multiple, you know, filling up multiple choices. Just, uh, you know, I figured, you know, I had a a one out of four chance of getting it, so I just, you know. (laughs) I didn't know what... Exactly. I didn't know what the best thing to do was. You know, you go through and the ones you weren't sure about, you leave them behind and then come back and review yeah. them if you had time. But I always kind of wondered if you were better just taking your time or if you, you know, what I didn't know how the test was being looked That's at. That's the point so, of all of this. So yeah. I probably went from bonehead to genius or vice versa <laughs> from test to test, well, you know. This reminds me, I'm going to send you uh, each a pack of colored pencils so that you can, you can oval them in in more of an artistic manner. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the things that's so different about, uh, about teaching today 
is that you are constantly assessing each student every minute that you're in the classroom. Well, and not just assessing their education, but um, teachers embrace the student of where they are when they even before they even walk in that classroom door. And you know, we have families, and we also have children that pretty much lack that family um, that embrace. And so, it's not that the school never ever replaces the family. But we know from the pandemic that there is uh, still a mental health awareness, and teachers are not clinicians. You know, they are they are versed in math and reading and science as experts. So relying more on school counselors and community services is what's happening in our public schools and will continue to happen. Now, uh, there was some news here the last few days about the uh, uh, higher education not having any more funds for ACT testing, uh, which are still required for college entrance, are they not? Well, for out-of-state colleges, but the university system in Montana, and I think it is a reflection back again on that pandemic, that um, it is not a requirement. And the monies have always flown from the uh, from the university system. It's about close to 800000 and it's a test of $58 per student to be able to have the state give this. So the grant that gives the university system this uh, amount of money changed, the federal grant changed, and it's pretty much been a discussion for about a year and a half with both my agency at the Office of Public Instruction and the university system on what's the next step. So we have right now the through-year model that I just spoke about earlier. It's $14, and that means uh, $14 for the entire year rather than one sitting of the ACT test. So we are looking at quite possibly moving that into um, 11th grade where that English and that math teacher then will have a better understanding uh, test over a, a, uh, literature or test over concepts in algebra or geometry or basic math. And then all those are aggregated, and that's what I submit to the federal government. So we do have um, some federal funds from our assessment that we can use for this next coming year. This spring, it will be the ACT. The following year will be the ACT. And then after that, we will be implementing a different model. Well, now we're going to count uh, uh, this spring. We're going to count uh, students. Is that what we're doing? We are right now. In fact, February 5th, we are counting students per statute in Montana. We take an enrollment count in the October, 1st of October and 1st of February. We average that count of students because our funding formula from our state precious dollars uh, come to schools pretty much based on how many students. So the budgeting that the trustees will be doing, and they have to get this budget prepared by August of 24, will rely on what, these, what this count is. And this is just a simple math. We're down almost 2,000 students across the state. Mostly those students are, are elementary, which means then there will be less money going out to our public schools. And, you know, I have 150, you know, children from the age of 5 up to the age of 18 that are in our schools. And I do have some that are 4 and some that are 19. But the majority of our students um, 
you know, are in in all of our schools. So these school districts are rural. Their school districts are urban. And what happens then in the spring count that we're taking, it's normally less. So if we're down students, there'll be less money going out to our public schools. And we're really, we're, we're looking at this. It's between, and I'd average because we pay our, uh, the state gives dollars, tax dollars, elementary, less by about $1,200 than they do to the high school student. But it's around um, $7,000 that goes out into our schools. So if we're down that by, you know, 2000 and maybe 3000 after this spring count, that's going to affect our public schools. But what we're doing, we're working with the legislature to see what our funding formula should be. And I know our buildings are old. I understand teacher salaries may be at the lowest in the nation. So we're trying to prioritize and give the legislature the opportunity to really configure how should public education be paid for. And that's something that uh, we have started. I know the legislature is interested in the interim, and we'll be giving them some information uh, before uh, the next session that happens in January of 25. So uh, help me understand here. Uh, you say we're down 2,000 students. Where did these students go? Ah, uh, you're so, that is, that is interesting. We've done a lot of research on this. And um, we know during COVID that a lot of our uh, students went to homeschool. We also know that the Christian school population, the non-public population, also increased during the COVID, uh, the years that we had, the two years that we, we noted in COVID, starting in 2020. But since then, we've also noticed that um, the homeschool is down, and the private school is also down. So we believe that these students uh, have left the state. And they are no longer either, uh, they're just not enrolled in school. And it's not that they're not in our communities and they are, you know, out on the streets or anything else. We believe that they are just not in Montana. Montana was a very safe place for COVID. I mean, in eastern Montana, you social distance for a living, right? <laughs> so we, we believe that uh, in the working with the Department of Health, in working with uh, individuals that have done the census and everything, that um, these students went back to their home states. And I also know we get birth rates. Uh, we know we're not, our birth rate is not exploding. We are flatlining on our birth rate, which means in five years from the time that they're born, that the public school, um, that we're going to have a, uh, a lower number of students in public school. So we look at this very largely, and you're spot on by, by thinking, you know, where are they? If our elementary is down, and that's the majority of where we know, then we know in the next six to five years our middle school will also be. And then that will domino into our high school graduation numbers. So we are the fourth aged state in the nation, and we're not birthing babies like we used to. So this is just a phenomenon that hmm. uh, Montana public schools are really looking at. I hesitate to dive into this one with you, Elsie, but what about library books? You know, I appreciate that. I think it's an important discussion. 
um, I look at education materials. I make sure that uh, any book that comes in, it's bonded and it goes out, and then it is a choice of curriculum for our curriculum directors in our 400-plus school districts in our 56 counties to take a look at this. You know, this discussion of a book collection is not about banning books. It's prioritizing education material. So it is very challenging that there may be some books uh, that uh, are in a library that over-sexualize our children or talk about topics as one book that is called Assassination Classroom. That's very graphic, and it is assassinating teachers. So it, I believe in local accountability, and I don't want the state or the federal government to say which book or what book shouldn't. What I look at is good education material, and it is up to our locally uh, entrusted trustees to have a library collection that the community embraces, that teachers are comfortable with, and it should be a discussion at the local level, not at the state and not at the federal government. Now, are we speaking of school libraries here or public libraries? Well, I thank you for that. Uh, you know, I'm in charge of the public school system in our state, but I also, in my role as state superintendent, serve on the State Library Commission. And the collection discussion that I just mentioned has come up there as well because this is communities across our state. This is at, uh, the Carnegie Libraries. Remember where those all came from? I bet you guys still have your Carnegie Library card. <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> but, I do have that thing somewhere with that little metal thing at I the bet. top with a number on it. Uh, exactly, exactly. But because I sit on the State Library Commission, I know this has come up. And I'll use the same framework. It is up to our locally entrusted uh, library commissions to determine what's best for their community. And somebody, you know, in a very rural community is different than somebody in, in Kalispell. But I do believe that if we're going to talk to our patrons across our state, uh, they are the ones that also need to have a rich discussion uh, within what library materials they would like to see. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not quite summer yet here, but uh, the, uh, you're still planning for the summer food sites. Oh, thank you so much for bringing this up. I know, you know, we still have snow on the ground, and thinking of school uh, being, you know, school bells ringing and, and the teachers hugging their kids and everybody um, getting on those school buses and going into their summer vacation plans. But we have a program in all of our areas across our state. And we have poverty in every single community. And this isn't just for um, a handout. We are asking for communities. It could be in a church. It could be in a boys and girls club. It could be in a school where we put school nutrition sites up for our children and our families to come and uh, gather a lunch. Some do breakfast. Some also do snacks. And you can imagine that community engagement where uh, wherever the sites are, that uh, communities can be enriched. And so we're beginning that right now and would love to have anybody um, help in participating in what it might look like to sponsor a location to help our families that are in need. All right. Elsie Arnson is always a terrific conversation. Thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. Well, blessings, and gentlemen, I'll get those colored pencils off to you right away. Okay? Are you looking for them? <laughs>